Hello and welcome to this Farm Advisory Service podcast. My name is James Murphy and I'm at King Craigie Farm here in Aberdeenshire. This is the Aberdeenshire Soil Nutrient Network Farm and I'm joined by the farmer here, Robert Marshall, and SSE Consulting Agricultural Consultant Stacey Hamilton. So I'll start with you, Robert. Could you tell me a bit about your farm here? Yeah, certainly. So we're farming 1,800 acres of all LFA. It's a mixture of owned tenancies and seasonal agreements. It's quite a simple system. We're running 500 cows aiming to finish all progeny on farm if possible. We have 300 acres down to spring cereals and this year we're looking at 400 acres of first cut silage. Second cut will be based on what available grass there is at the time. We're also this year looking at increasing our fodder crop acreage to perhaps incorporate more kale, neeps and fodder beet etc. What led you to become a silage nutrient network farm? Well, due to the number of cattle we have in place, we produce quite a lot of slurry and muck, and uh, it was just trying to get more benefit out of it. The usual fields get a good a good covering of it because they're beside the steadings, and it's possibly looking at how it would benefit the cost benefit to taking it further afield from the from the near hand farms and uh, reducing our reliance on artificial fertilizers. Yeah, and um, Stacey, could you give us an overview of the soil nutrient network farms in Scotland? Yeah, so the Soil Nutrient Network Farms is made up of nine farms up and down the country and the idea is having a look before and after um, on the farm and trying to make, like Robert was saying, trying to make the best use of organic and inorganic fertilisers whilst saving the business a bit of money and increasing yields which is going to in turn improve your overall farm efficiency and resilience of the business. Just improving the soil and nutrient use alone could make the business more profitable whilst helping lower carbon footprints um, and reducing diffuse pollution risks. A lot of farms out there just now will be technically really efficient, um, but there's even places like that can find little changes that will make a difference to what's already going on. All of these farms throughout the country, they're having meetings regularly? Yeah, there's over the course of the project, each farm's got to have three meetings. So we've had one already here at Kincraigie, and then we have another one scheduled for beginning of March, and there'll be a final meeting in the summer. And we'll be encouraging local farmers to come along and have a look at what's happening here and see how they can apply it to their own farm. Yeah, definitely. That would be the idea of it, to get local boys along and just see what's going on and what can be applied to the area. We had a good turnout um, at the first meeting. It was all made up of mostly local farmers and folk from the area. Good stuff. Going back to the, the organic fertilisers and manures that you have here on the farm, Robert, I assume that that was the main area you looked at at the first meeting? Yeah, we looked at that and, uh, yeah, between it and our lines was our main, just looking at the basics. So what we found, we've been applying 15 to 20 tonnes per acre of muck to some of the crop, to the majority of the cropping fields. And what we found is that some of the ones that the real end by to the steading are... Uh, really are sky high in P and K to the mm-hmm. point they're now going on to the red. However, some of our limes were a bit below. So in a cost saving exercise this year, after consulting with our agronomist, we're looking at putting bag lime like calcifert down the drill, down the spout with the drill yeah. at the time of sowing with the barley and not putting on any P and K. The idea being that the giving them a burst of available lime will be able to utilise the nutrients that's there without having to put any on. I think King Craigie Farms, it's a good example of where um, having the cattle on the farm has shown up really well in the soil results. The organic matters on the farm average about 8.5%, which is really good compared to arable places that never receive muck or slurry. It'll be down, you know, could easily be down 3-4% if that. Um, so it's a good 
it's a good example of Muck and Slurry working well yeah, yeah. What else was uh, covered at the first meeting? Um, so at the first meeting we looked at uh, compaction levels in the, the ground. It's, it's, as I said, we put on quite a bit of slurry in that, so we were starting to concern that we're get concerned that we're maybe perhaps developing a shallow pan in some of the fields. So we did have a dig a couple of trenches. It wasn't just the best year to have a leak with the ground being so dry. There was actually quite a lot of natural cracking in that yeah. in it, but it did show that in some bits we hadn't as big a problem as. Aside from that, it wasn't as big a problem as we were concerned with, as I was concerned it might be. However, we did run a, an Opico subsoiler, grassland subsoiler, and the Allstrong aerator roller, and we've done a couple of test fields to see if it allows water to get away quicker. There is some ground we have that was, used to be a lock and was drained post-war, and a lot of water used to sit in it and when we went over and looked there was a lot of compaction just in the first two, three inches but after that it was soft so we did it with the subsoiler to actually just to see if we could create a way of letting the water away quicker and not of a, a surface pan initially it's looking quite good although it's been a dry winter anytime there's been water it seems to have disappeared quicker than we would have expected it to so we're, we are uh, confident that maybe that has brought a benefit to us and did you see any initial reaction to the grass? No, it probably wasn't just the most ideal time of year with the prolonged drought and the D-side is quite a dry area anyway, so there was more downsides to it initially, which was there's quite a few stones coming to the surface. It kind of roughed a few of the fields, but we're hoping as the winter comes and water levels level it all up again that this will start to balance itself out. I think one of the main things that came out of that was when Gavin Elric, who's the SEC drainage um, consultant, there was a few different the two pieces of kit that we used and then dug a trench across it let you see the difference that the two were making didn't it yeah you could see as where the roller had been it was difficult to see a deeper a deeper impact on the soil as where with the subsoil it was very evident that it had lifted and crumbled and made a, a deeper opening down towards the subsoil to let water not only to let water away from the surface but to let it root it down deeper to get a hold of sub subsurface water. Yeah, so it was a good way good way of demonstrating that before you just go in with a subsoiler, have a dig and see what kind of compaction you're working with to make sure you're getting the right bit of kit. Yeah. We also discussed the possibility of using something like a the aerator or the or a slitter um, on the field prior to putting on the slurry to see to try and let it down into the roots better as it stands we use open top tankers with that just splash plates to apply it yeah so it was to see if we let by letting it into the into the roots if we could get a, a better and quicker uptake of the nutrients that's available we're going to try that this spring yeah. it, um, the conditions weren't right for doing yeah. it last year so we're going to hopefully try a bit this spring and see how we see how it goes and the general consensus on the subsoiler sword lifter and the aerators at the meeting i think a lot of people preferred the idea of the aerator because it was a quicker it was a quicker moving machine. It was just it was simpler. It was a roller, um, but I think a lot of people did agree that it looked more effective with the subsoiler. But you had to pay attention to what you were doing. You didn't get a spade out and have a dig and see that you were doing yeah. the right thing. So it was horses for courses. If you just wanted to try and look for a quick fix, a roller. But those that were probably thinking that a bigger problem were more interested yeah, in yeah. the subsoiler. I think folk were quite keen to come back to the next one. A lot of the people that were interested in that, they'll be the ones that's back to try and see what difference it has or hasn't made. And a lot of people have asked us since if I've seen any real differences and things. Yeah, yeah. I'd say at times are wet, like at the surface, th- those bits of the fields that were done were drier to cross than the bits that weren't. And it had to let the water off the surface quicker. Hmm. Whether it brings the, the, the return benefit to the grass is, we'll find out. And your soil sampling on a regular basis? 
Yeah, we've started to get the whole farm into a, a routine now. I've tried to go around the we're trying to go around the whole farm in five years. So we've split it into five blocks, and we've now mapped the whole farm with soil quests, electro sampling system. So it splits the land up by type of soil type as opposed to a grid. The idea being that the that if it's a sandy type of soil, it will leach at the same rate against the whole of the field. Yeah. So yeah, we've we've done that, and we're now starting to build and building the picture that we're getting and. And you're finding that useful then? And um, initially, well, yes, a lot of bits. It's we've got some land that we've taken on or whatever. It's the lines are extremely low, and it's yeah. it's a case of just putting on a blanket rate. But where we're getting round the second time now, we're starting to see reduced certain bits are needing reduced rate. So you think eventually you will be you'll be saving? Yeah, you will be saving. And what we're finding is, we're, although we're maybe put on the same tonnages to the acre, we're applying it to where it's required as opposed yeah. to just splitting it over the whole field. Has it affected your fertiliser applications as well? Yes, it will start to affect it now because especially what we've done with how our organic matters have lifted, mm. um, we're now looking at how we can cost-effectively take that away. Traditionally, we were applying maybe up to 6,000 gallons to the acre of slurry over a year on our silage fields. They're as high now. We could probably reduce that to half and try and do some of the fields further away. It's, it's trying to put it onto grazing ones, but in such a way that it's disappeared before we're grazing stock. It's more complicated to apply it to grazing. And was that something that the other farmers that attended the meeting were interested in? Yeah, there was a bit. A lot of people, they've always used the same fertiliser for when they're sowing. Yeah. It's always been whatever, 10, 26, 26, or whatever they've used. And then after seeing how we've reduced it, and in some bits now we're just, we're hardly putting on any P's and K's, and it's reduced the overall bill. Um, a few of them are thinking that they maybe have to they were going to go and have a look at start looking at their own closer to see what was happening there. Mm-hmm. We started looking more closely at nutrient budgeting as well because we've analysed the slurry this year to find out what nitrogen stuff's in it. Um, a lot of farmers around about probably just apply their slurry and muck without really knowing what kind of NP and K values are in it um, and just take it as a given. So we've analysed the slurry um, at Congregie and that's hopefully going to let us budget a bit better as well for nutrients because we'll know exactly what's on it and what's going on Yeah, The next meeting I think is going to be in early spring here what ideas or what are you thinking about for that meeting? The, uh, well what we're hoping to do with, um, as we said when we sampled the fields we did some micronutrient sampling to look at the minerals and availability of them and we're going to blood test some of the cows to see what their mineral status is and to see if there's a deficiency if there's deficiencies in the soil that's matching up with the cattle and if it's a, and to see if we can, what's well, everyone here is about trying to improve efficiency, and um, that starts with fertility. So it's maybe a case of tail get a mineral more tailored to the requirements of our farm as opposed to just a broader mineral. So in combination with the vet and the companies that supply our minerals, we're going to try some look at some in detail as to what's going on with that. We know that like molybdenum's quite high in the D side area. Traditionally, okay. molybdenum's quite high, and it does lock up quite a few quite a few different uh, nutrients and that so it's to yeah, see if we, how we can combat that best and, and do, are you finding any deficiencies in your cattle? Well we haven't tried it well I do know I did a few years ago and we know that uh, selenium and vitamin E was quite low okay. so we started applying a, a higher using a higher vitamin E selenium mineral and we started applying selenium onto the with the grass through the fertiliser how much benefit we've seen is difficult to measure because there's also been other ongoing ongoing things with the, the farm that we've changed at the same time so it's yeah. hard to record how much difference that individual thing has made 
was also going to look at I said was looking forward to what we're going to do for our winter fodder crops um, this past year we just did a winter mix let's own of stubble neeps and forage rake um, it's been fine, it's all used but we're looking at something that will last longer a bit more winter hardy so we're going to look at various options with kale and neeps and uh, I'm quite interested in fodder beet, it's a high energy feed and, um, just to see what we can do and what benefits that might bring to soil and maybe a way of turning over old pasture to improve it and things like that yeah, I mean, up here it can be it can be a pretty long winter sometimes, so we've got to try and make the best yeah. of, of winter forages and fodders and what's available. So it's definitely worth looking into to try and get a bit of extra winter grazing available on the farm. But yeah, that's what's coming back to there. It's um, although the winter's been kindness this year, it's um, it's not unknown to get a, a good cover on the snow. So we need something mm-hmm. that if we do get it, we'll survive it and be there when the snow disappears, or we can access through the through the snow. So um, that's where like the the neeps and that would come into it. So, you know, like the first mm-hmm. meeting, we we broke down to everybody what what was happening on the farm and what we we're using and how we probably misused. Mm. Okay, that's kind of what we spoke about. How we misused a lot of what we had as opposed to how we yeah used it. And then now we're looking at trying to improve it and how we're going to yeah. This means it'll be how it's worked. So probably yeah. again, we'll have a look at the the trial trial areas with the subsoilers and see mm. if there's any notable difference at that mm-hmm. point. Yeah, yeah. And then um yeah, how we've reduced our reliance and purchased P and K because I've uh, really cut back the amount of P and K we've bought in this year and mm-hmm. moved towards more nitrogen and sulfur based fertilizers just because we don't we weren't needing it. Has that that's that's obviously saved you a good bit of money then. Yeah that'll come to yeah the total yeah it'll be a fair difference in the total. Yeah. We've always been quite well. Last few years, we've been quite high, using higher sulfur fertilizers. Anyway, it was kind of a way of the lack of sulfur that was in the atmosphere for plants. But um, I'd say this year we've really started to push up, like for our silage and for our top dress. We're using the thirty zero zero seventeen, right. um, and that'll be for most of our silage and our fertilizers, and some of the grazings. And then there's other ones that'll be like a twenty five 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 plus. Sulfur plus selenium right. mixtures mm-hmm. as well. What could other local farmers in the area get out of coming along to the next meeting? The um, well, I hope they'll uh, get the same benefits I have. We've got um, we've managed to round up quite a few industry experts for various bits to come and discuss the various issues that we are facing. Uh, a lot of the people in the area are the same as us. They're mixed enterprises, and they need. A, we're all facing similar issues. So, and it's not just that. It's uh, it's not what necessarily they'll learn from this, but it's what um, everybody can learn from one another. Because majority of people have already. You're not the first one to find a problem, yeah. to face a problem, and some people have already found a solution or a way around it. And it's just a great way of trying to share problems and work together to try and reduce costs and, and move forward in a collaborative fashion I think. Yeah, like Robert was saying, it's it's not all about the speakers that are here, the people that are coming along all of a genuine shared interest and you'll learn just as much from each other and the speakers and topics that we're covering at the meetings I would just about guarantee that everybody will leave with one or two little things that can make a difference Gonna every little is going to help I suppose we try and have quite open meetings, so everybody, again, it's always been the way with Lawrence and Stacey, encourage people to 
ask questions as we go along or, or voice an input or a, an opinion. You yeah. know, it's if, uh, if people don't agree with what's been said, then we'd, we'd, we'd like to. You know, it's good if you get a debate going about it, and you can actually you learn more far more from that than than uh, sitting in silence. Yeah, plenty of discussion is usually had at the meetings, which is all really beneficial. I suppose it's trying to find the best solution for what fits in your system. Yeah, yeah. Um, you leave with you leave with some ideas and your own thoughts about the systems um, and methods that we are speaking about, and you can if it's, it's something you can take away and tailor it to your own system at home if it's just tweaking a little bit but thanks Robert and Stacey uh, and thanks for listening to this Farm Advisory Service podcast uh, the next meeting at Kincrady Farm will be beginning of March it'll be focusing on the issues that we discussed in this podcast for more information you can visit the Farm Advisory Service website and you can also phone the Farm Advisory Service helpline thanks for listening